Welcome to Bread and Milk. I'm Naomi Devlin and I'll be taking you on a soothing ramble through the food memories and life stories of some of my favourite people. So hello again. After a much needed week's break, I'm back with Kylie Newton, who is one of my best friends. She is an absolute treasure. Uh, Unvarnished which I absolutely love and uh, we talk about it a little bit in the podcast but I kind of it was like love at first sight (laughs) when I met her because I think I saw the fact that she was absolutely a heart on sleeve person and she's one of those people who hides nothing which I adore so I adore her she is a preserver par excellence and she has written a a wonderful book called The Modern Preserver, which is uh, a modern classic, if you like. And uh, I think she, and when we we had this conversation, which is now over a year old, we had this conversation right at the beginning of the the pandemic, during the first lockdown, uh, when Kylie was stuck in Haggerston in London, uh, in a very, very hot flat and, and I think it was it felt quite oppressive and new and alarming although we didn't at that point know how long and how uh, how full on the pandemic would be so uh, we make reference to it but that's so you know the context for the conversation and Kylie then very cleverly went home to New Zealand not by design they just had planned to go away and off they went to New Zealand and actually managed to be in probably the best place in the world for uh, I think about six months of the pandemic and she is back now and I'm very glad and desperate to see her as soon as I can so we talked about Kylie and her nana and scones but we also discuss uh, feeling like a fraud and comparing yourself to others in social media which I just think is such a thing for all of us and especially because this year we've been online all year and so that temptation to look at other people's curated lives and compare them to your own when you're in your pyjamas and feeling like you're getting no feedback from anyone else and so you very much turn in on yourself I think that that has been a thing that lots of people have suffered from this year so uh, I don't want to ramble on too long Uh, I'll put um, information about where to find Kylie in the show notes she uh, just before the the pandemic closed her beautiful and very successful preserves business Newton and Pot for which she won all sorts of awards and it's really uh, again it's interesting that thing about uh, if something's not working you just got to know when to you got to go out when you're at the top of your game and that's kind of what she did and it'll be really interesting to see what she does next because it's always amazing and finally a little warning Uh, I haven't put the full podcast together so I don't know the exact timings but at around nine minutes in there is a mention of male genitalia. Uh, I would say that Kylie made me do it but I have a potty mouth as does Kylie and I'm afraid it's never that far 
from my lips. <laughs> so I apologise in advance. If you're listening with children, you may choose to skip over that bit, nine to ten minutes, I guess. It's not a full minute of talking about male genitalia, I promise. But as just mention of it, I apologise if it offends anyone. It's I thought it was kind of cute and it's definitely in the context of messing around rather than uh, trying to shock anyone. But uh, please skip over it if you're feeling delicate or you don't like mention of genitals. No, it isn't. It isn't because oh my because God. if it was video, you kind of look naked. Oh uh, yeah, okay. I'm like Lady Cadaver. <laughs> That's a great look. Like, with your hair on, Kylie. <laughs> Where's my white horse? Kylie <laughs> is coming to you naked from Haggerston bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I still, you know, as always, have imposter syndrome. <laughs> do, do you know what? I think so many people have that. And we, you always do you look think? at other people. I look at, yeah, exactly. You always look at other people and go, oh, my God, you're so together. And I've been, doing, I've been looking at other people. I remember sitting in a car outside the supermarket waiting for my sister to finish work with my mother and us looking at these woman coming out of the supermarket before Instagram I'm like say I'm 13 and I'm thinking wow she's so together she looks like she you know it's just like but yeah. but it's all projection it's all oh, projection projection we always think yeah. other people are having more sex yeah. earning more money <laughs> I know yeah. there was I was listening to um <laughs> Louis Theroux's podcast and he yeah. was saying there was a, a, a kind of you know suggestion that there would be a baby boom post yeah uh, post lockdown and he was saying that's yeah. that's not happening yeah. in my house <laughs> yeah. it's all the sex happening yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. I think some people obviously find being confined with their partner really sexy but a lot of people there. Yeah. Should we crack on or? Yeah. You... Do I need to do um, scales or anything? What, la, do la, I... la, la, yeah. Exactly. You want to listen to <laughs> this crazy to Kiwi podcast. accent? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the ki crazy Kiwi accent is is, is okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've been playing. Do you know GeoGuessr? It's a game. No, you told me about it though, and yeah. I downloaded it on my computer, and I haven't touched it. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it either speaks to you or it doesn't. I think. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but I was in New Zealand this morning. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Did you go and say hi to my mum? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Where is your mum? <laughs> She's in New Plymouth. Which I is... told her about GeoGuessr actually, because I thought oh, it yeah. might be something that she could do it and to waste time and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying it's a time waster, but <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like um, like sometimes I do Candy Crush as well, and yes. it, my brain just turns off. Yeah, it's the same as when I'm cycling or any yeah. of those things. We've talked about this before. And we need that kind of. You need outlet. it. Just yeah. mindless something, you know. Yeah, I, I have another game, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> oh, really? It's humiliating. Is it worse yeah. than Candy Crush? It can't be. Well, I was reading something the other. The day 
um, about someone saying it was, it was an interview with somebody saying, what's your, you know, what's it called when you, you have something you don't like to admit to do or she was asked, you know, what is this? And she's like, oh, I don't have any. And I'm like, oh, oh man. <laughs> she's not human. Everyone not has human. those. Yeah. To, to be, to have something that you secretly are ashamed of. Yeah, your guilty human. pleasure. Your guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure. What's your guilty pleasure? And she's yeah, like, oh, I don't yeah. have any guilty pleasures. I'm like, oh. Uh, the... So she just feels good about all her pleasures, I Guilt. guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. No, but I, I think I do feel good about, like, I watched Gogglebox. I'm oh, fine with you? that. Yeah, I'm do fine you? with oh, that. See, that's such a healthy, healthy attitude to have. <laughs> I mean, Mark has been trying, but I feel a lot of guilt. I'm not even, I don't even come from a Catholic family. <laughs> yeah, I'm, of, I'm the Catholic one. Of... You're a wonder woman. Oh, stop. You are. I, I, Sometimes I, you know, when I'm talking to you, I have that song, that um, Cure song going through my head. Which one? Why can't I be you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, look, I will make, I will do my best to fart loudly. And yes. to, and to, to. And say um, and penis at least once. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think you would celebrate me for that. So Absolutely. I'll try and find cock. things. No, that... cock even. No. Cock. Yes, cock sounds good in a, in a posh English accent. Yeah. Cock. Oh, cock. <laughs> well, I think we've got the intro sorted. <laughs> lovely Kylie it is so great to see you thank you it's so good to see you in these weird times I um, know and I've missed you uh, yeah I've missed you too I miss I miss contact in general like cuddling people yes I know <laughs> that's what I've said about all my courses but, yeah you know it's great to have all that contact with people and the yeah. same with Instagram because or whatever you have told me in the past that you um instead of you know when people clap, you give them cuddles at the end. You give I them do. hugs, which I, I think I've adopted that. Well, I haven't yes. actually cuddled anyone. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at me like you mad woman, but I've adopted that that nice thought that yeah, people. Yeah. Um, you because you give so much, and I really love that. You know, when you're doing a course, you actually give so much, and it's quite exhausting. So. Mm. To get a hug out of it, you're getting those endorphins back. So Gosh, I it's really amazing. Yeah, I mean like the feeling of, of yeah. I mean, I offer it. I don't force it on uh. people. And sometimes people <laughs> will come go. towards <laughs> me with a hand outstretched, and I'm like, really, you're not a yeah. hugger? <laughs> actually, yeah. So I've I've really missed that physical contact. Yeah. Thing. Just yeah. been really making sure I've been hugging my cat a lot, yeah. hugging Finn and Nick, and yeah, that yeah. feels. But it's not quite the same, is it? It's not quite your the same. Friends. Yeah. yeah, and just people you don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tactile person, but I read it. I read the situation. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Because uh, some people don't want to be touched. <laughs> in fact, do you remember when we first met? So me and Kylie first met at 
River Cottage Festival, yeah. the Spring yeah. Fair. And but I had I... been a fan for a long time. Oh, of we River chatted. Cottage. Oh, you. of me. <laughs> yeah. So, and I had also been a massive fan of yours, and I couldn't believe I was going to get to meet you. Yeah. And then, as soon as I met you, I just knew we were going to be friends, and I couldn't stop hugging you. <laughs> yeah, I think we could. We just wanted to be around each other all the time. It was infectious. It was. <laughs> yeah, I thought she's going to was... think I'm needy. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, you were you had the same reaction as I did. We had we yeah. fed off the same kind of love yeah. juice. <laughs> yeah, mm. <laughs> I'm not sure about oh. that word, but yes. Yeah, so and uh, um, energy, same energy. I have loved you ever since. Yeah, and so um, today you want to talk about your grands or is it your nans she's a nan she's a nan yeah she's a nan okay she's she's a nan um she she is my hero as i said before if i if you had asked me to do this last week it would have been on something else food resonates with me all the time from one week to the next especially when i've been a preserver um as you know, you're inspired by the seasons. So one season cherries might be in, you're, mm. you get excited about that. <laughs> They're gone and it's the next season. But then the beauty about preserving is you can open up that in another month and, and feel that same kind of excitement. Yeah. I've been joking to my students um, that I see myself as the saint uh, of, of um, longevity. Mm. So, uh, I feel like it's saint-like qualities to have <laughs> to, you not that anybody asks or the church doesn't recognise it, but um, do you know I'm I'm, uh, I'm taking something and I'm giving it longevity yes. into uh, uh, and and creating joy in another yeah at yeah another time well, I, down the track. well I guess the church recognises it only in that they have the harvest festival that would uh, be. Yes. And yeah. you would bring all your preserved but things. But not me your, personally. But not you. But they should recognise you as the saint of the Harvest Festival. Yeah, I'm the yeah. saint. I I'm, have saint gonna, qualities. You, I'm gonna, you can adopt that too. We can call ourselves saints. Yeah, yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to petition actually the Pope yeah. to, um, to anoint you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I like this idea. And but also yeah, so the, scones. So scones are yeah. perfect vehicles for all your beautiful preserves, aren't they? Yeah, scones are the perfect vehicle for jam, for mm. preserving. Um, are you a scone or a scone kind of girl? I, I actually say scone, Good. even though I should say scone <laughs> for it to m match with the rest of my accent, but I say scone because <laughs> I'm secretly Northern. Yeah, and and how... I mean, scones are an interesting thing because they're kind of, are they called different things in different places? Not only the accent of it. In America, they might be like a um, biscuit, biscuit, what they call a biscuit, right? Yeah, yeah. But scones in the UK, they're not as dry mm. as a biscuit in the US. No, biscuits are, biscuits are flaky. So a biscuit is made by folding the dough okay. with, bits of butter in it and so you get a much flakier so I, uh, in many yes, ways yeah, i think they're yeah. moister okay okay because yeah. uh, you know i've never come a good across a good scone in the uk i'm <gasps> gonna say that i feel be i know be lynched. but i say that because you know your nan's scone or your grand scone 
are always going to be the best scones you've ever had and you will they will always you will always reach for that aspiration of what your scone is supposed to be mm. like I, I guess with a lot of food it's you know we, we reminisce with food a mm. lot absolutely mm. takes you back so yeah. so tell me what is it what do you remember about your making scones with your gran and well, take I, that picture my i didn't it wasn't really that i was making scones with my gran unfortunately my nan nan had had, um 23 grandchildren she had eight children so um she didn't have time to be sitting and teaching us all um how to make scones it was some we would go over and visit her every my my immediate family mum and and my two sisters um every sunday and she would always just whip up scones in like 10, 15 minutes mm. and they would just appear. Um, sometimes they'd be plain, sometimes they would be cheesy. Um, you know, if she was feeling a little bit posh, maybe a chopped date would go through, but I mean, <laughs> maybe on a very, very special case. I think, I think what it is, is that, you know, I come from, in New Zealand, you know, we, we don't have the same classism system as you say mm. you might have in the UK, but I come from a very working class background um, and I feel like Nan's scones were really utilitarian. They were basic. They were easy. They were fulfilling. Um, All they needed was butter and jam. We just had butter and jam Mm. on it, not Mm. the high tea debate of plotted, whipped cream on jam, jam on cream kind of debate. It was simple pleasures and mm. I you know done well and that's what I think cooking should be about mm-hmm. for me and the and scones are very much a kind of post-war thing aren't exactly. they you know exactly. something quick something filling yeah. Uh, yeah. but also a vehicle for the like we say for the jam or yeah. but I think we also used to have scones because my mum also used to make scones she's very impatient and so she's great at making scones making scones because yeah. it's easier than you, well it's always been for me it's always been tricky i've made scones this is the thing i wish now thinking about it that i had spent more time in the kitchen with nan kind of um learning the skill i remember a lot of rubbing the butter into mm. the flour that mm. stage of the scones mm. which is pretty much probably the most important part of making yeah. the scones and then you would add your milk and she would always so the butter needs to be ice cold mm. like not not frozen but cold out mm. of the fridge and in little cubes and you're rubbing it into the flour see i've just discovered the trick and that's why i'm so excited about it is oh, tell that us. for for ages i've been making little rocks of scones and never been satisfied and so I in the last couple of weeks when I've been writing this recipe for the cookery book I I was like no I want to get this right so I contacted my auntie Cher and asked for her recipe um, for Nan's recipe Mm. and she came back to me with that age-old wonderful sentiment that well Nan never really had a recipe Mm. she just did it by eye and feel and I'm like okay so I have to really delve back into the the memories and the thoughts Mm. of what it was and then I 
was making them in the my stand mixer and and um and I was getting a great tasting scone, but it was all smooth on the top and just too overworked. And I was like, this is not the scone I remember. It's not the scone I want. Um, tastes good, but it's not quite there yet. And then, so I went, stripped it right back and I just did it how Nan used to do it with mm. the knife cutting mm. in the milk after you've rubbed in the butter. And she would put a dash of cold water, uh, hot water, water into the cold milk just to kind of activate the baking powder oh, a little bit wow that that's a tip yeah um so yeah and then we and then it just comes together really quickly like um in a matter of minutes like a minute or two if mm. you're cutting it through with the knife mm. and you don't over mix it so with the kitchen with my KitchenAid my stand mixer I'd been over mixing it too much and it just come together and then you get these bubbly little tops and they rise up with all the the baking powder in them and um they were perfect and it was like mm. a revelation i i finally i did do a lot of kind of tuning into nan um you know channeling nan and see whether she that's, would bring that's me so scone, great scone as well to, gods. yes yeah. the scone <laughs> god spoke to you and also yeah. that kind of that memory of because it is like a a, a body memory isn't it that, yeah so my mum my was the same when she would make pastry or you know yeah. nan making cakes and all the ones where you measure everything measure the eggs and yeah. then yeah or measure everything in a yogurt carton or oh yeah those are much less those are recipes where uh it's not that you're being slapdash about it you're getting it just right but you're getting it right because you have a sense of this proportion it's butter right. to milk yeah. to flour yeah. and how much not to overwork yeah. and yeah and that's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing yeah and that's it is that magic thing taking it away from your hands when you put something in a machine as well. I always make yes. pastry by hand because I yeah. just think you have that contact with it. Then, yeah. You know? Well, I think I'm going to go. I yeah, it's the machine. I I was thinking. I was thinking I'm going to modernize this. I'm going to make mm. it for the people of today. And I was mm. like, I had to rewrite everything I'd done to mm. because I'm like, no, don't put it in the machine. Just use your hands and feel it that's how I'm trying to write this book as well. I, it, what I've discovered and what you may have discovered with you doing your courses is a lot of people, not everyone. And I'm not, I'm just, I'm not generalizing at all. I'm saying some people don't know how to cook mm. and um, what is second nature to me is not to other people. Um, I mean, I do remember I was so shocked once I, we were making and of course we were making um beetroot and orange chut chutney and i bought the beetroots out and they had you know the skins on them mm. um and a woman looked at me said oh well, you know she had the recipe in front of her but she looked at me and she said oh what are these <laughs> and i was like my i my jaw literally kind of dropped like mm. you don't know what she had been so used to seeing beetroot peeled cooked and vacuum packed mm. she didn't know what a beetroot looked and it's raw amazing it, isn't I mean, it, it yeah. does that not just shock you to bits yeah but, 
that's the same for the whole of food isn't it people yeah. don't know where their milk comes from people don't yes, know yeah, and it's not yeah. their fault that it's is the a, fault that, of supermarkets another, yeah it's another political discussion that needs to you, you know that happens all the time as well it is people do not know where their food is come. I think that's one of the privileges I've had of growing up in the time that I did in the 80s let's say <laughs> <laughs> let's be vague <laughs> let's be vague <laughs> we from New Zealand, which is fundamentally a small island, mm. um, where we were more reliant on um, seasonal produce, I think it's my childhood. So, and that's, and do you think that's culturally from New Zealand? Do you think New Zealanders are generally connected to their food, or is that to do with being in a small town? I think also it might be a mixture of, I think maybe the timing in the 80s as well. Mm. I don't mm. know what it's like. Here. here here in the uk uh, i would say the 80s were a time of disconnection from food yeah, you know yeah, really yeah. uh people were getting into things in packets so yeah uh, so you know you go to a supermarket in new zealand and you're still picking up um pieces of fruit and putting it into a paper bag okay. you're not when i first got actually yeah when i first got to the uk been living here for 19 years now 20 mm. years i was so shocked at the amount of packaging mm. like sickened by the mm. amount of packaging and the supermarkets and stuff um well, yeah, hopefully so, we're going back to that aren't we that yeah you know supermarkets are trying to use Change. less packaging i think yeah but it, it, because the pressure coming from the public good well yeah. i've always thought that there should be a a tax on the extra packaging so if somebody wants to package things with you know certain plastics or that then it's a more expensive good because mm. they have um used you know they've got this extra special tax on top of it yeah. rather than and so people encourages this biodegradable kind of mm. you know way of living i don't know i've been brought up as a tidy kiwi too new zealanders we've mm. you know grew up there's these little images um, of a, a bin with a kiwi chucking the rubbish into the bin. Okay, a kiwi bird. A kiwi bird. It's like, you know, be a tidy kiwi. That was the the, the kind of motto. And okay. so <laughs> I've done things like if I see somebody chucking a piece of rubbish outside their window of the car, I've picked it up and chucked it back into the car. So I don't recommend everyone doing that because it can get quite aggressive. <laughs> Um, it's not the right person. You could also just pick it up and put it in the nearest bin and yeah. just feel really it's homely. It's more of a statement. Yeah. <laughs> more about the rage. Naomi. Yes, yes. Well, menopausal rage is, uh, you know, very real, isn't it? You know, I, yeah. I experience it too. You know, I'm, I've been I'm not getting quite that into. Old. <laughs> oh, no, a premenopausal. Oh, pre I mean, premenopausal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, not, uh, not on the menopause. Premenstrual. Okay, well, I am on the perimenopausal side, so, <laughs> and and I notice that when I'm out cycling, I get bike rage. Yeah, and uh, I think Nick, when we're out cycling together, Nick's always a little bit like, "What? You know, yeah, what are you yeah. reading?" I'm like, yeah. "Look, this is years of, yeah. of being." Uh, of kind of being nice and 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 stepping back and and doing the right thing and and yeah. now I'm in this phase of my life I am oh. going to rage at drivers when they cut me up and you know whatever it is 
I am, I, I'm quite full of rage. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's passion. Um, yeah. Others might not agree, but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a New Zealander. I don't have, I, I'm, I don't, I don't feel like I'm built in with this coy English shyness of not showing how you feel about um, a situation or things. Mm. I think a lot of New Zealanders, are, we, we're quite, open and honest I think straight straightforward straightforward yeah um it doesn't always go down well uh I think I've talked to you a lot about that yeah. um with with um even being a boss and having staff and and them having to get used to how straightforward and open I am because I don't have the time to pussyfoot and talk my way around an issue mm, um mm. yet it's taught me a lot that actually you do have to when people people get can get offended mm, culturally we all deal with those things differently, differently. don't we yeah, well i have that coming from a commune you know when i left yeah. the commune yeah uh, i mean your I didn't realize, yeah, but, but you know i didn't realize <laughs> that everyone a, didn't yeah. splurge all the time yeah. you know and yeah. you have to then learn oh, okay this is socially acceptable yeah. in this context but actually yeah you can also then make it your own and and there's no reason why you should have to um be anything other than straightforward but it can yeah can raise Come across like I, i'm i'm you know people i'm people might write me an email and they haven't asked me a direct question and they've asked me a question dancing around what the direct question is and i just don't have the time and so i will get back to them saying what are you actually asking me? Can mm. you just tell me, you know, what it is you want from me? Mm. Um, and Mark, my husband, has had to, you know, he sometimes has to read over my emails before we can send them out <laughs> just because, yeah, the bluntness can be problematic. He's your diplomacy <laughs> yes. uh, consultant. Exactly. Well, that, that's nice because I also have a very diplomatic husband. And yeah. so I think yeah. we choose the person we need, don't yeah. we, in order yeah. to knock the edges off us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What I would what I would do with Mark, I don't know. I'd be <laughs> feral running around the streets, I tell you. <laughs> If I can drag us back to oh, yeah, the scones. Sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. That's what it's... I do. I go off on tangents. So. so do I. So do I. <laughs> I love a tangent. Um, but but yes, yeah, so I, I was really interested in that, um, in the thing that you did, which was accessing a, a memory of, of that time with your gran, which wasn't that kind of classic people often talk about oh being in the kitchen with their gran and that's what yeah. I imagine when you said that but it's actually yeah. a memory of almost like the like she's a, somehow a superwoman or she's just someone who's like uh, bringing these scones to the table quickly yes you know exactly you how I think I'm about just it coping with this 23 grandchildren and these eight gotta kids. feed them as yeah, quick as and, you can <laughs> and so that to you that is what the scone is kind of misty memory of gran in her penny it's a not at all i don't have those memories at all and you know i read um people <laughs> write cookery books about this 
and that and their mums and I don't have that that um reminiscent memory that you know that people keep writing about that poetic romantic mm. ideal mm. like oh I learned this from my grand I didn't learn it from my grand but I wanted to recreate yeah that magic and to honor her I wanted to honor her mm. absolutely and I wanted to yeah it wasn't it was about recreating what she yeah she had created for mm. us for so many years she brought up eight children in a time in you know uh, rural New Zealand um, she left her husband with eight children uh, wow. admittedly four of them were of um, age that they had moved out but still bring up four more children where, in a time where there were no um, benefits mm. and she had to work two jobs. And uh, the reason being my grandfather um, had another family down the road. <gasps> really? Yeah. With, that she didn't know about? She didn't know about. And it, it, well, eventually that's why she left him. But mm. you know, it, it was hard for her Mm. And she still managed to, you know, bring out scones. <laughs> oh, yes. To kind of make it all okay. It's that yeah. thing, isn't it, of just uh, and we all, providing all of the heart. grandchildren love her so much. We all think of her so fondly. She, um, what I loved most about her was she was open to all walks of life. You know how mm. sometimes old people, they get very stuck in their ways and they're like, well, that's not how it used to be in our day. And it should be like this quite conservative mm. um, frame of mind. She was so open and liberal. And, you know, one of my cousins is, you know, is a tattoo artist and has a shaved head and tattoos all over his head and body. And, and she loves him just as much as the next, mm. you know, she mm. was always intrigued with what we were up to and could fit into any kind of conversation that we were having, mm. politic, you know, just um, about the family or politically or what we we're doing at art school or, you know, she, and that's why I loved her. She had this openness that I want to envelop in my life and, and be able to share with the children I don't have. <laughs> You make your own family, don't you? You make your own family. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that's what she is to me. That's and, amazing. Um, that spirit is incredible, isn't it? And actually, it's uh, people talk about it keeping you young, but it's not keeping you young. It's keeping you fluid and adaptable. Yeah. And yeah. actually, that that um, willingness to take in new ideas and yeah. to resonate with whatever's around you is an incredible quality. And I think. You're right. A lot of people she, use that as she they was um, just so non-judgmental, mm. and uh, and yeah, I loved her for it. And um, you know, and not ev not every grand is like that, or nan is like that. I think not. No, very few people are like that. Yeah. She sounds amazing. Were you a child when you discovered your love for food, or did it come to you later? Um, I think. Uh, I have these great memories of, so my mother was a single mother, um, brought uh, three girls up. Um, my father was around, but you know, like the weekend dad. Mm. Um, and my mother was 
would you know work two jobs to keep us afloat because you know when we went to dad's he spoiled us rotten and she wanted you know there was this game they were playing um growing up and uh to help out me and my sisters would have to you know make dinner once a week uh we would have a rotor of what was going to be made for the week and whose night was whose to cook um and i have these fond memories from about 11 um 10 11 i of you know sitting on the um kitchen floor and flicking through the recipe books admittedly they were like magi cookery cookery books yeah. i don't know if that's yeah um and they'd come in from Australia, I think. And so there was a lot of, and there's a lot of diversity in food in New Zealand. It's quite, um, uh, there's a lot of different cultures from around the world who've come to reside and, um, and live there. And so, you know, we were making, uh, I was making things like nasi goreng and pork satay and wow. fried rice. And whereas other people, friends that we were going over to people's houses um friends houses at the time they would have the kind of typical you know meat and three veg mm. so yeah flipping through these recipes deciding what i wanted to make for the family and then you know going and shopping for it with mum down at the local uh butcher or um at green grocers and just finding all you know this joy of looking at the produce my sisters can't remember doing it or ah, so so it did sing to so you a it, little bit it more. must have resonated in me that that was weirdly enough because i didn't go you know cooking has come to me I, i've always been cooking and so I always call myself a natural cook, but I think it's because I've always been cooking since mm. I was 11 that I know how to saute an onion. I know to how, when it turns from sauteing it to glossy to get to a caramelized stage. Mm. So it's mm. just been a natural, whereas um, Mark, my husband, he's learned a lot later. So he, he's a great cook, uh, don't get me wrong. And he cooks far more than, I do. It was a busman's oh. holiday for you, isn't it? Yeah. So. <laughs> and but I, yeah, it, it it's been a more learned thing from him in the recent mm. in recent years. Whereas, mm. um, I know when some yeah something's and that's bringing it back to the classes where you, you know with people who just don't know how to cook. Cooking is sensory thing. It's mm. not only about your sight. Um, and timings it's about the smell and it's about mm. the sound mm. and um it, it's far more than that it's like going back to nan scone it's just knowing how much milk to put in before you stop mm. you know because in the recipe that my auntie Shea, um gave me um there weren't really proper quantities and i had to kind of you know discover them to create the book Mark will quite often say to me when he's reading a recipe, or well, what you know, is this ready now? Or you know, I, mm. I do use all my senses. Mm. Um, one of the uh, kind of testaments of that was basically uh, when I started Newton and Pot. Um, I had my kitchen in our small one-bedroom apartment, mm. and so live would would 
go down on two buses at five o'clock in the morning to get my produce from the New Spitfield markets and come back on two buses oh. with a granny trolley and a Ikea bag full of fruit and veg. <laughs> and then I had a girl who'd come and she was my kitchen manager. She, uh, she initially was the chopper, but then I kind of moved her on to the um, cooking side to teach her the cooking side. So she taught was taught the cooking side in my small little kitchen where we've got gas elements. Um, and when we moved to the main kitchen, we had uh, induction hops. So um, the cooking timing is all different. And, you know, uh, re even to the different pan, people don't realize this when even reading a recipe that, a especially with preserving with something mm. like jam, which I think is the hardest preserve to make, people don't realize all the elements have to be quite right for it. And you have to judge, there's a lot of judgment that goes on mm. trying to figure out when, when it's perfectly set or when mm. it's right. How, it depends how big your pan is it's, and how the heat is distributed. The heat of the temperature of the day, yeah. the, um, the type of metal the pan is mm. made out of, mm. um, the heat source. Mm. There's a whole lot of different elements that, that create perfect set. So she would go in and... and um, I thought that she knew this, that, you know, when I'm cooking and when she's cooking in this, that it was about judgment and um, what I would call, you have to feel the jam, you have mm. to feel the chutney. Mm. And so she would start, started burning a lot of stuff when we went to the new kitchen on these um, induction hobs, which are great because they have a, a, a concentrated heat source. They don't vary too much. You have a, uh, they're a great way of cooking. However, she was burning a lot of stuff and she said, I don't understand Kylie. I was doing the same timings as we were doing back in your kitchen. And it dawned on me that she wasn't um, feeling how to cook. She was mm. just reacting to a, a recipe. Um, yeah. And it dawned on me that that's how I've been cooking my whole entire life. And that not everybody knows that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and also that if you start cooking that young, it's yeah. literally just the doing of it. So many years yeah. of experience mean that you you learn all those things without even realizing it's like learning a language, isn't it? Yeah. You are learning that language without even realizing you're learning. You're just doing and doing and doing and you having little failures and little triumphs yes. and they yeah. just build up. And, and then you get to this point where you're an expert. And we talked yeah. about that feeling of being an imposter, that imposter yeah, syndrome, yeah. but actually how, how many people who, who are in a job can say, yes, I have, over 30 years experience of doing this when i feel like an imposter is i feel like i'm always learning so mm. i don't I, I know i call my classes master classes and i kind of regret that because i feel like i'm still you know an apprentice and i'm forever learning and mm. you know and people have different ways of cooking you know i've recently been um following you know, another jam lady I won't say who it is um <laughs> and um and she's been talking about all these things on her Instagram and I'm like oh well I have done that so very different but I'm still getting results so mm. there are variants on the way you can do things as well mm -hmm.
from a very young age also we did home economics i'm guessing there's home economics here as well yeah there was here i'm not a good person to ask because i didn't go to school ah, so oh, yeah of course but there was yeah there was yeah. but i think it changed kind of in the in maybe in the 90s and okay. so that people weren't doing just learning how to cook a sunday roast or a yeah, okay. you know meals uh, or learning how to make jam into making designing pizza boxes and making yeah. fairy cakes and things that essentially are not life skills life skills yeah mm. i remember making apple strudel and now wow. and and how to boil an egg and you know you should see these um cookery books um i've still got them and i mm. found them the other day and pulled them out and showed mark and i think i even did a little stories on my instagram of flicking through it Sweet. someone was like oh my god you should get these published because i did these elaborate drawings of you know if we're making chocolate chip cookies there'd be a giant chop drawer drawing and colored pencils and amazing um, chip. i'll show you one day yes I yes. love them oh. someone re reached out it's like oh my god you should get those published it's, well you they, should they're just um kindly so yeah. the early years yeah one of my biggest fears is elitism yeah. i hate it um yeah. you know i went to art school i know what it's all about i've been there and it and it's um caused me a lot of mental health problems in what way what is it that you struggle with most i think um it feels really high school where uh, some people seem like they're better than others mm. or, um yeah being in an exclusive club that i can't get into it's you know it's the whole instagram chat too where people's lives look better yeah. than yours as well and it's comparison and it's high expectations of yourself mm -hmm. and wanting to be accepted into a uh into a clique a it's special club it's, yeah. yeah oh it's and, not but it's but actually uh that's a re you're right it is a real now problem isn't it you know that with social media uh we're we're so we're seeing such curated images of yeah. what people are doing and that's true with food as well you know and, uh it's i'm sometimes tempted to shoot what's beyond the photograph that i'm shooting so it might yeah. be the cat litter tray or it might be yeah, you know yeah. a messy table or whatever it is that's actually real life uh and i and i guess on one hand we accept that okay we're signed up to this because we want to look at images of beautiful yeah. stuff but and it's a magazine then turning that back on ourselves yeah then that's not good yeah you know i'm 45 and i should have gotten over this already do you know but it's still I, I don't know if you ever get over it it's it's a well maybe you do when you're very old maybe and you accept that uh, you know you're just glad to be still alive <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's when you start telling people how old you are every day i'm 91 <laughs> i'm 91 <laughs> look at me <laughs> i will every day when i'm 91 i'm gonna tell yeah. everyone I'm yeah 91. <laughs> i do that already to be honest um, <laughs> but that's i think it's a really valid point and it's something that uh, that nobody in any industry really should be guilty of of elitism because yeah. whatever you're doing you should make it as accessible as possible because yeah. that means that that more people can enjoy it and it, if if you can 
make it accessible to people who don't have means or don't have yeah. disadvantages in some way then then fantastic and, and so it's a laudable impulse even if you're yeah. trying to you know make it a, a flaw it's not I think it's a good thing Kylie it has been so lovely to chat <laughs> with you we just chat for more hours yeah we can <laughs> we, we can we can get our cocktails now and sign off and, and yeah. just have a, a, another we can have the um, you've got bakes the x-rated the session oven. now yeah <laughs> hopefully Finn's got my bread out I'm doing my brioche <laughs> testing at the moment so so the gluten-free brioche gluten-free brioche and what yeah. flowers are you using for it uh it's a mixture oh if I told you Kylie then You'd I'd give have away to kill the secret you. I know yeah no, oh, no. Uh, it's this one is a buckwheat um okay. a buckwheat base but um brioche is naturally has to be quite starchy so it's got starches in there as well okay okay um, and, and lots of butter lots yeah. of butter but yeah. i'm also trialing a vegan one and okay. i've made a babka and cinnamon rolls so i was trying today i was trying those little um swedish knotted cardamom yep. buns yeah yeah uh, and so the issue that i have with the with the gluten-free brioche is that it snaps when you okay. try and kind of because it's it doesn't too dry have that stretch yeah the it's not dry it just it's more like cake i guess yeah you know? and so yeah you can only i managed to just about put it around my do fingers that. but then you know i can do it but it's whether someone who hasn't spent 15 years baking gluten-free yeah, can do it yeah, you know yeah, so yeah oh, i love this stage i love the stage where i'm recipe developing and you are so good at it bit. yeah i just wing it yeah right <laughs> well i'm really I like that's a concept it's gonna yeah. work yeah <laughs> but baking it, it, it baking really kind of uh rocks my mind it's just mm. it's all about um the chemistry of it and it's yeah. and there's so much to learn about it yeah. and it's fascinating like i'm not a my you know my mother's not a very good baker and uh, you know is that a is, is that a hereditary skill <laughs> well, I, um, I think it's a it's a, a practice thing isn't it it's so, a practice thing like so you're saying you have that um it that instinct for preserving yeah, which exactly. i don't yeah, i mean i okay. have for fermenting but not for jam because yeah. i'm not a jam maker uh but i know be because mm -hmm. after so many years of, of baking with gluten-free yeah. flowers i have there's a you combination of instinct exactly. and knowing the science you know yeah. so yeah it's a yeah. It's a kind of meeting of, of art and, and I did make and... the milk um, burger buns today with the kind of Japanese style um, oh, brioche, yes. which yes. is with the tashon, which oh, is the it's a that. it's almost like a Japanese milk roux that you make yes. up to yes. okay. add to the bread. Um, yeah. Oh my god, they were perfect and what that does is it pre-gelatinizes the flour so i okay. do that with some gluten-free flours oh it makes gee, them, interesting see they look, hold I've something yeah today. there you go they hold <laughs> the water in a gel and it yeah. means that the the dough is more extensible then ah. and you can get that so it's fluffy when it's yeah it's fluffy. so it makes it so fluffy yeah, ah, yeah. interesting and for gluten-free that's it really helps yeah well, i mean it, it, it is flour it's fascinating isn't it yeah is there a book on just flour because well i mean there are lots of you're writing it you write no. it <laughs> no. because it's interesting how it works so differently like isn't it fascinating that you can put a little bit of starter into a flour um 
water mix and then in half an hour it expands yeah. in, in size and yeah, yeah. Or, or even i mean there are lots of books or lots of writing on wheat flour yeah uh, but i think but all not the gluten other, free yeah all the other alternative flours that are you know it's that interesting thing isn't it why just the wheat flour because there are so many different flours yeah. around the world yeah. uh, and so and loads of cultures that are just eat those you know the yeah. places that rely on sorghum like, or cassava exactly, or maize exactly. or, uh, and yet there isn't a lot of kind of scientific stuff that you can easily access. You can, can read you lots do of that? papers. You could, you could travel to different places around the world, go to India and find the grand flowers yeah. and then go to, to Mexico and discover corn flowers, maize, maize flowers. I would love God. to do that. Can I read that book? Yeah, well, we can do it together. Yeah, let's do that together. That sounds like a nice project. Yeah, that's our road trip. Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine us too? We'd have to have the boys there though, because they would be our cocktail makers. Yes, yeah, we'd be the drivers and they'd be the yeah. cocktail makers. Yeah. So, yeah, we would be the idiots in the front of the car. But I'll yeah. stop recording and we can we can okay. talk some more. But I love you, I love you too. And I've really enjoyed hearing about your incredible grandma and where you've come from and what makes you such an amazing preserver. So I'm off to petition the Pope to anoint Kylie as the saint of the Harvest Festival. And I realise I forgot to say at the beginning of the podcast that there were some extraneous noises Kylie lives in Haggerston and there were lots of um, road noises and also I was in the middle of baking and so <laughs> my oven timer was and uh, things were going off in, in the uh, kitchen so I apologise for that and the sound quality wasn't so good because I hadn't quite sorted out my sound uh, at that point. But anyway, I know you understand this stuff is recorded remotely and uh, we just accept that, that that's part of, of this whole time is that maybe the sound isn't perfect, but at least we're getting to have conversations. And uh, I will put information about Kylie in the show notes and uh, I have uh, lined up a load of interviews with various wonderful foodie people. I'm not going to say who it is, just in case anything happens and that and those um, those don't come about. Uh, so I don't know that who's coming up, but there are. I've got about six people lined up, and that should take me through. Um, and then I'll probably have a little break and bring you back uh, some more podcasts later at the end of the summer. Uh, anyway, I look forward to seeing you or, or in this aural space next week. And thank you so much for listening. And I should also say in the tradition of all podcasts, please uh, subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. This podcast is available through my website on Spotify, Amazon Music. I have to remember all the things that where it's <laughs> available. Apple Podcasts. And I know I've missed one out, Google Podcasts. And so if you can spare the time to leave a review and rate podcasts, that would be fantastic. It really does make a difference and it helps other people to find the podcast, which uh, is just nice and also helps me 
feel like uh, I'm not just shouting into the void. I really, really appreciate the comments that you've already left. It just makes my day, I have to say. Uh, that might make me shallow, but <laughs> it really is lovely to know that you're out there listening. Everyone who's uh, who's given me some um, feedback, it, it is just a wonderful thing to hear. So thank you very much. And uh, I'll see you out there.